0: This episode of the America First podcast with me, Sebastian Gorka, is brought to you by Franklin Armory. Shop freedom, quality, and innovation at FranklinArmory.com. Franklin Armory, we are facilitators of freedom.
1: How do you guys handle things when they're a, a big news item that's controversial? Like, there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election, because of the Hunter Biden laptop story, the New York Yeah, we had that too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well. So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically, the background here is the FBI. I think basically came to us. Uh, some some folks on our team. It was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was the, we we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be. Some kind of dump of of um, uh, uh, that's similar to that,
0: so just be vigilant just be vigilant, be vigilant, be pure, behave to quote a certain comic book from my childhood. There you have Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook. Admit on the Joe Rogan show, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, the FBI uh, wants us to censor stuff, so we 'll censor stuff. Is that a revelation to those in the know? What about the latest drop multiple Twitter files in one day? Let's talk to the man who knows. He wrote the original book, hashtag deleted. He is senior tech correspondent for that conservative juggernaut that is Breitbart.com. Alan Bakari, welcome back. It's been too long. Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year, Seth. Good to be back on.
0: All right, so let's start at the beginning, which is a good place to start. I created a bit of a stir. The Daily Mail even put me in a headline along with Elon Musk and Hunter Biden after the first couple of Twitter drops when I said, Big whoop. I am underwhelmed. The idea that the DNC was colluding with their buddies in Palo Alto. Not news to anyone who's been breathing and got a pulse for the last few years. Since then, we've had what? Uh, Eric, what Twitter drop are we up to now? Is it 11, 12, 38? What is it? Yesterday were drops number
3: 11 and 12.
0: All right, so at 11 and 12 together in one day just recently. um, Let's have the strategic overview You've been writing about big tech for years right now. How significant are these revelations? Not the first ones, but the subsequent ones. What is it? Have you let's put it this way. Have you learned something that surprised you, Alan?
2: Uh, I would say nothing hugely surprising. It's really just uh, giving us more details about what we already knew, which is that the deep state was colluding closely with Silicon Valley, using it to censor political dissidents here in America, using it to censor conservatives in America, uh, justified in the name of, you know, this all-encompassing Russian disinformation panic that lasted, you know, pretty much from the day Trump took office throughout his entire first term. And uh, yeah, we're just getting more information about that. I think the biggest takeaway from the latest Twitter files is that uh, Twitter knew the Russian disinformation panic was a bunch of steam, a bunch of hot air. There was nothing really substantive to it. There was no huge Russian influence operation on Twitter, but they eventually got, received so much pressure from the media, from academics, and from the deep state that they eventually went along with the panic.
0: Yeah, this is the title of your latest piece of Breitbart, Twitter Files. Company exaggerated Russian influence to appease media, and Democrats. What about this idea we, we heard there? We heard, you know, Mr. Facebook, the 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 android of a thousand faces, saying, well, you know, um, the FBI came to us and said, well, watch out, and then we took action. Some have tried to say, well, the the FBI didn't order anybody to do anything. But if, if you know, guys in unmarked vehicles with badges and guns roll up to your headquarters in California and say, uh, we have some issues, then the idea of, of Twitter not complying, that's kind of a, a strange narrative, is it not?
2: That is a strange narrative. And you see in these Twitter files the way the uh, security state was really able to turn the screws on Silicon Valley by using the media uh you know when they didn't get what they want from twitter or uh, presumably from facebook as well they would go to the media with their exaggerated claims of russian disinformation and you know oh twitter is not suspending all of these accounts you identified so eventually there was just so much pressure that the social media platforms uh to some extent didn't have much choice you know that you see them push back because you see them initially in the in the first few months of uh the russia panic then going to the senate intelligence committee Uh, than going to the deep state and saying, look, we haven't found a huge number of, uh, you know, Russian influence accounts on our platform. But only afterwards when they realize, you know, that's not going to satisfy these people, they're going to keep receiving those, uh, you know, those media hits and that political scrutiny from very, very powerful committees that have the power to regulate them, then they kind of have no choice but to go along with the panic and, you know, deliver results on, you know, in terms of suspending, massive amounts of uh, of accounts and that's exactly what they did over the past uh, 4 years.
0: And and when you see, you know, what has been revealed, you have the the head of safety who's recently fired by Musk complain about how often he has to meet these regular weekly meetings with the FBI or the DHS, uh, wouldn't that lead you to suspect that we are just seeing the, the tip of the iceberg? Some emails here, some Slack channel communications there. But if it's weekly meetings over years, then we're just getting a tiny glimpse behind the curtain, are we not?
2: Yeah, and you can only imagine what's discussed on these calls. You'd you'd assume that the uh, things that they wouldn't want to be discussed on uh, over email are much more uh, significant. And that's the stuff we'll never really see. What I'm interested in is how partisan all of this were, how open they were on these calls about the real target of these these, uh, suspensions, which obviously was the populist uh, conservative movement in the U.S. That's always been their target. That was the deep state's target as well. Um, I wonder how much of that was, you know, shrouded behind these pretexts about disinformation, whether it's Russian disinformation or COVID disinformation, and how much of it was openly admitted to on these calls. Perhaps we'll never know that. What we do know is that, you know, the deep state, not just the, uh, the DHS and the FBI, who can always fall back on the national security excuse. But all sorts of government agencies and politicians and committees were going to Twitter and demanding they take down certain accounts. And when they didn't get in their way, as as I said earlier, they would go to the media and use that as a tool to pressure these companies.
0: And and when, when we look at everything we've seen so far, I know neither of us are, you know, psychiatrists or psychologists, but, you know, you have been following this for so long. You've been writing about the Twitter drops, what is your sense about mr musk is his is it really about the first amendment because he's a very canny and shrewd businessman if you look at tesla if you look at spacex um he seems quite i mean i was on multiple twitter spaces with him i got to ask him questions i I kind of uh, he, he seems quite serious what about for you
2: I think he's demonstrated his seriousness in reinstating people like Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene and lots of other accounts that uh, Twitter would never have reinstated under Jack Dorsey or Parag Agrawal. Uh, so yeah, he's certainly demonstrated seriousness. There has he restored everyone? Has he gone full uh, full First Amendment? Uh, you know, not yet. But there are a lot of things standing in the way of that. Notably the. Uh, the chokehold that app stores have over this uh, ecosystem. If an app store e-platforms, Twitter, that would be a huge hit to the company, especially given that it's already struggling with advertisers pulling out. You know, how does it make up that revenue? So in a sense, he can't go too far, but he's gone quite far already. you know, re- restoring Donald Trump was really the big one. That's what the media and uh, the Democrats really did not want him to do. And then, and now he's embarrassing the deep state by releasing all these files again, not telling us anything. New, but confirming a lot of what we knew was going on.
0: And the fact that he got rid of more than 60% of the staff, and it seems to be functioning. Isn't that rather telling as well?
2: Mm, that is telling. And so much of, so many of these Silicon Valley companies just got so bloated over the past decade because they had all this money to spare and they just hired and hired and hired. They didn't really need all of that stuff. You can run a social media platform on a fairly skeleton crew. And you have to wonder how many of those people were uh, former former members of the Deep State. I know the uh, uh, the Daily Mail, and you know we reported on this as well at Breitbart News. Uh, many, many people at Twitter, at Facebook, at Google, over the past uh, five or six years, they came from places like the CIA, they came from places like DHS and the FBI. Um, and you really see in these files how important those agencies uh, considered these social media platforms and how important they thought it was to control the flow of information on these platforms. I think there was a real sense, and we saw this, uh, you know, when Trump won, the real sense that the establishment, the media, the deep state had all got caught flat-footed by the events leading up to 2016. And a big part of that was the fact that it was possible to get around mainstream media narratives on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, and they really identified social media as the thing they had to control to prevent something similar happening again.
0: Exactly. We're talking to Alan Bakari, senior tech correspondent dot Breitbart.com. The book is Hashtag Deleted, Uh, Big Tech's Battle to Raise the Trump Movement and Steal the Election. Uh, If you enjoy our one-on-ones with the true experts, with the newsmakers, don't forget to subscribe. Go right now to your favorite podcast platform. Go to Spotify, plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. It's free, don't you know? Leave us a five-star review and share the links with your friends. And talking of the FBI, it's back to the top position, our FBI t shirt co-designed with Chris Plant, the FBI, Fascist Bureau of Intimidation. It is flying off the shelves. Get yours today, SebGorkaStore.com. So much more, all made in America, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, SebGorkaStore.com. Whether it's the regular Hellcat or whether it's the compensated RDP with that miniature red dot, I love them all. How did it take so long to invent a factory-compensated subcompact 9mm? Well, guess what? Springfield did it, and I'm a huge fan, and I'm Sebastian Gorka.
1: The Hellcat from Springfield Armory is still the smallest, highest-capacity micro-compact in the world. Available in standard or optics-ready configurations, the class-leading capacity of the Hellcat gives you 11 plus 1 with the Standard Magazine and 13 plus 1 with the included Extended Mag. The definitive concealed carry pistol is here. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory gives you the capacity to defend.
0: If you're feeling a little bit uh, heavy around the middle after the extravagance of Christmas and the New Year... If you're ready to shed a few pounds, you could do what I did. I lost 42 pounds... In just a matter of months, my wife lost 36 on the My PhD Weight Loss Diet. It's the first diet in 20 years that worked for me. So easy, no stupid pills, no calorie counting, no starvation. Five times a day, you get to eat, and it's a system that just burns off the fat. Find out for yourself if I could do it. Anyone can. Call Dr. Ashley Lucas's team on 864 644 1900 or just go to myphdweightloss.com. That's 864 644 1900 myphdweightloss.com myphdweightloss.com so we are um, in the throes of a, of a of a new um session of congress the gop are in control of the lower house Alum, i you're, you you're a pretty realistic chap uh, you have the the the, the relevant requisite uh, modicum of cynicism to to report on these issues Given the revelations of the Twitter files that I hope will continue to proceed, Fauci Files et al., do you think there'll be consequences? Is this something that can be ignored by the mainstream? I mean, right now, the mainstream media, if they're not utterly ignoring Elon Musk and the Twitter files, when they do mention it, they say, oh, it's disinformation or it's no big deal, given what we've witnessed in the last six years when it comes to the generation of fallacious narratives such as Russia collusion, do you have any serious expectations that there will be some actual consequences?
2: Well, one thing that can be said is that, you know, during the Trump administration, the tech CEOs were called before Congress on uh, quite a number of occasions, and the Republicans asked, you know, some pretty good questions about censorship and, you know, the suppression of alternative viewpoints on their platforms, but the really useful thing about the Twitter files is that it identifies the people in the federal government that can be called before some committees and really, really grilled on what they were trying to achieve with this uh, with this censorship campaign on social media. So you can, there's a, there'll be opportunities to question the really, uh, the, the people who are actually driving the censorship in the deep space. Now, in terms of consequences, the real problem is uh, you see uh, what, the social media companies were afraid of, and it was media pressure. Not so much deep state pressure, but the media, which had the power to whip up these massive advertiser boycotts. And the deep state knew that, which is why they used the media uh, so frequently. Um, Now, even with Republicans in control of Congress, they obviously do not control the media, so they simply won't be able to impose the same kind of consequences that the left and Democrats are going to be able to do. Nonetheless, having control of those committees you can uh, you can inflict pain. You can uh, you can cause some very bad press for the uh, social media companies and the deep state agencies that were pressuring them because they really you know they eventually have to answer the congressional scrutiny. So the Republicans really ought to be dragging those peop those specific people from the FBI, from the DHS, from the State Department uh, before the committees to uh, to drill deeper on what was going on.
0: Now, my my expectation, I I don't like to do uh, predictions, but, you know, we've been promised the next load of files and about Fauci and everything else. Uh, You know, for most people just live their lives, don't live in the political, you know, swamp. They don't follow this too closely or what DHS was doing with Twitter. If I don't have a Twitter account, I'm really not concerned about people getting cancer. When we find out about censorship that affects the health of millions of people, my expectation, a modest one, is that that will be unavoidable. They will not be able to sweep under the carpet uh, evidence of government bureaucrats saying, no, 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 you can't say that about ivermectin, delete that. Do you concur?
2: I think so. and I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that all the COVID restrictions uh, that many people voluntarily agreed to were really not that necessary and you know it was not really about it was never about the science or of this and it was about what the government wanted what the government thought was necessary and you know you know the government thought it was necessary to lie to the american public about a lot of things so it's going to lead to a uh i think more of a, a decrease in trust in those experts you know not that they were particularly trusted in the first place but i think you're right i think a lot of americans will remember the covid restrictions and as more information comes out about them uh they'll see them for what they Actually were. But uh, but of course, the challenge is going to be getting that information out. There's, uh, there's Twitter, of course, to do that. But, um, you know, all the other social media platforms, who knows what uh, what they will do. My hope is that they see what happened with Twitter and with Musk and other platforms, particularly Facebook, will be more emboldened to stand up to the deep state some more. But why would they
0: if they are ideological bedfellows?
2: They are to some extent, but you see, uh, even even in Twitter, as you said, even some of the more progressive employees, like Yoel Roth, they thought that uh, many of these government requests were just way way out of hand because um, you know they were so frequent and you know didn't really have anything to do with Russian disinformation. Uh, so there's there's that to consider, and there's also the fact that you know a lot of the CEOs of companies are not that progressive often I, I found that the uh the most radical employees of the social media companies in terms of pushing for censorship tend to be around the middle ranks um i don't think zuckerberg is particularly wedded to uh to censoring uh his platform but i think the the threat of media pressure and boycotts uh as well as you know act ac- uh, action from employees is always there and i think the threat from the deep state is going to be reduced now that they've been exposed by the twitter files and they'll have less clout
0: and elon uh, posted that poll prior to christmas concerning his stepping down and replacing uh, himself with another ceo are you concerned that what he put in motion will slow down if he's not there to oversee it
2: mm, well we'll have to see uh, who the new ceo is but i don't imagine he would pick anyone who's going to radically shift course or take twitter back to the days of uh Andrew while endorsing.
0: Yeah, may- maybe he could pick somebody from Breitbart. I don't know. Could be a senior (laughs) tech correspondent. That could be a great idea. The book is deleted. Hashtag deleted. You've got to read it. It is the big tech battle to erase the Trump movement and steal the election. We, likewise, are on all social media platforms by the fascistic YouTube. We'll be discussing YouTube momentarily. So if you want to guarantee that you never miss any part of America First, the monologues, the amazing guests, uh, please make sure you're following us on True social. On Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, Parler, Getter, Telegram, even Cloud Hub, If you want to see the show live, yes, we are on video. It's SalemNewsChannel.com. And for the latest novel content, the newest platform is my personal Substack, Sebastian That's my whole name, as one word, Sebastian And if you're a little bit disappointed with your Christmas gift, How about one of the books that I've written? All three are available at the website. The first is the one that propelled me to the White House, Defeating Jihad. The second one, Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies, that I wrote as soon as I left the White House, including everything I learned about the threats to this nation. And then when it comes to the internal threat, sadly a book that is as relevant as ever, The War. For America's Soul with an exclusive interview with President Trump. If you want to understand the shape or the form of a second Trump administration, go to SebGorkaStore.com and order The War for America's Soul. Look at that. I mention it, and the chiron just magically pops up. SebGorkaStore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, SebGorkaStore.com my pillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year you all have helped build my pillow into the amazing company that it is today now mike lindell my buddy the inventor and ceo wants to give back to my listeners the percal bed sheet set is available in a variety of colors and sizes and they're on sale for example the queen size is regularly 89.98 but now for you just $39.98 with your listener promo. Order now, because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percol sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. It's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call one 800 829 8468, promo code GORKA, or just go to mypillow.com, click on the radio Listener square, and plug in G O R K A. That's 1 829 8468, or mypillow.com code GORKA. Now, one thing that, that doesn't seem to, I don't know, gain traction or maybe resonate in all of these discussions about what we're learning about big tech, Palo Alto, Twitter, and so forth. Is just the, the rank illegality of, of what's occurring. Now, in my first discussion with Elon Musk, I, I raised this issue of the First Amendment and most people's misinterpretations. The First Amendment doesn't apply to freedom of speech anywhere. It applies to government suppression of freedom of speech. You know, if, if I'm a, a private company owner, I can control your speech within my platform because I'm a private company. The government is not allowed to do that unless you are expressly threatening somebody. If I say kill John Smith tomorrow, that's incitement to violence. That is not permitted. However, however, government circumventing the Constitution by uh, prescribing the free speech of others in the mode of asking private companies to do that which they cannot do. Now, that is illegal because that's the government using an intermediary to curtail your free speech. I don't see a lot of people understanding that. Surely uh, there could be a myriad of uh, uh, class action suits brought against social media, with the FBI or even DHS doing an end run again around the Constitution, saying, "Hey guys, um, I don't like this guy Paul Sperry or whatever. Delete his account." Why is that so poorly understood? Surely, surely there is a big, big legal um, challenge that could be brought against the government and Twitter.
2: Yeah, so this is the area where I think social media companies and the deep state that use them could face some real consequences. Are going to be through the courts. You ultimately, you're not going to see any action from uh, from Capitol Hill. The Democrats are fully in the tank for the censorship. They still control the Senate. Uh, but you know, Missouri and Louisiana have this lawsuit against the Biden administration, which is alleging precisely what you said, Seb, which is uh, the government colluded with Twitter, with Facebook, with all these platforms to suppress the First Amendment rights of Americans. And that is going through the courts right now, and that could see some real results if it gets all the way to the Supreme Court, which I think it will. Um, I think do do, do, you, do you have
0: high hopes because you know, the state action? I think that's quite promising, don't you?
2: I think it is very promising, and you know these Twitter files provide a mountain of new evidence for that for that investigation. The investigation already turned uh, turned up some information. We covered it a few months ago at Breitbart uh, about uh, you know Fauci's Fauci's goons in the federal government putting pressure, leaning on the social media companies to censor people like Alex Berenson and uh, and you know COVID dissidents. And we now have even more evidence of that. So the evidence is all there. The question, I think, will be what will the uh, Supreme Court do about it once it uh, once it reaches them?
0: And then, of course, we have the potential not just so there's two heads to this, is there not? That the the government's uh, vulnerability for circumventing the First Amendment through third party actors and then there's the corporations themselves, is there not? I mean, we don't, we're not very keen about suing Twitter now that it's under the auspices of Elon Musk, but maybe other platforms like Facebook.
2: Uh, yes, indeed. But, I mean, I think that the point here is not to secure damages, but to send a message yes. to social media companies and the deep state that what they're doing is illegal. It is suppressing Americans' First Amendment rights. I think that's the real point. here not necessarily to damage the companies, but it's to lay down new rules. and uh, That's what's been lacking. That's why the federal government was able to get away with so much, because there haven't been any yeah. rules for who you can and, uh, and cannot censor. And the first amendment is pretty clear. You can't censor anyone if you're the government, uh, even, if it's, uh, even if you're doing it through a, a private company like Twitter. Yeah, I was
0: actually on another Spaces on, on Tuesday night and somebody made this point. And first things first, I got a, you know, a cold shower from your boss, Alex Marlowe, the editor-in-chief at Breitbart, over a year ago said he said, hang on. Uh, Elon Musk, come on, he's got some deals in China, so d- don't expect uh, billionaires to save the U.S. Constitution. And I give him full due, Alex, for, for, for saying that. However, somebody made this point in the spaces. If it weren't for Elon Musk, we wouldn't know any of this stuff. We wouldn't know any of this back and forth with the FBI, with DHS, with state. We suspected it, but now we have the receipts. We're talking to Alan Bakari. He is the senior tech correspondent for Breitbart.com. Follow him at Libertarian. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First coming to you from the ReliefFactor.com studios. Relief Factor, pain relief that works, pain relief that's real, pain relief that is liberating half a million Americans right now, me included. If you've tried everything else and failed to find relief, order the three-week quick starter pack right now at ReliefFactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you... Dr. G's guarantee by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me and 500,000 of your fellow Americans. Don't wait any longer. You know what to do. Call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. That's 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Don't forget to check out our store if you are into America First. You've got to prove it. How do you do that? Well, you designed it. You asked for it. It is the President Trump MAGA America First Challenge Coin. It's got the president on one side. It's got America First. And my motto, stay frosty. Order yours today. Prove you are part of the America First movement. So much more fun merchandise. None of it made in China. Go to SebGorkaStore.com, get your T-shirt MAGA returns that we made for the president's declaration that he's running. Trump 2024, MAGA is back. SebGorkaStore.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, SebGorkaStore.com. All right, Alan, here's the big question of the day. Twitter, as far as I'm concerned, and please correct me because you're the expert, you're you're the big tech um, expert. Twitter is... Not a big deal. It's a big deal because it drives news. But the average American does not hang on Twitter every day like you and me. Uh, Twitter is for people who think they're journalists but are lazy. It drives news cycles because lazy journalists go on there to see what's happening. But in terms of, for example, what you say, the sub- let's put, put Adam's book up again, the very, very trenchant subtitle of your book deleted the subtitle of your book is big tech's battle to erase the trump the election that last part the steal the elect the real influence on elections since people don't read newspapers anymore the most popular tv show tuckers gets five million views out of 330 million where do people get their political information it's facebook if they're kids it's tiktok so for me God bless Elon Musk. More Twitter files. Yes, superb. But the really nefarious aspect, and that's why we open the show with the Zuckerberg confession, to Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We censor people if the FBI tells us to. Is what's happening on Facebook, on TikTok, and on other platforms. Number one, do you agree in, in terms of, of the relative uh, importance of these platforms? And number two, are we ever going to know what happens on behind the scenes there?
2: Yeah, so I think it's between Facebook and Google, really, in terms. Oh, of sorry, 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 sorry,
0: sorry. And you're also getting something. Google, meaning Alphabet, and, and then um, AdSense, so the control of, of of advertising dollars, which you know BrightByte has been targeted, and then YouTube as well. Sorry, absolutely. So so Facebook, Google, YouTube, and and TikTok. The, these these are far more important in terms of distorting elections. Yes or no?
2: yeah i agree so let, let's 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 break it down so i think facebook is most important when it comes to the older demographics yeah. older demographics tend to use facebook more often than the other platforms and i think overall that makes it far more influential than tiktok which is favored by you know generation z the zoomers uh they don't vote nearly as much as uh, older people so facebook's always going to have a lot more influence over elections for that reason uh google uh youtube has a lot of influence with millennials uh, and they're becoming a more active uh, voter bloc. Still not as active as Gen I, I
0: heard I heard this just two days ago that in terms of actual um, user engagement, YouTube is number one in terms of hours spent. YouTube dominates everybody else. Is that correct?
2: That's true. It's it's made for long form uh, content. Right. Um, and you you see uh, you see you can see in the the order in which the deep state, the media, and Democrats went after the platforms they after 2016. Facebook was the number one target, followed by YouTube, followed by Twitter. First they went after Facebook with the, uh, with the fake news allegations that began even before Trump was inaugurated. Um, and you see in these Twitter files as well, Twitter's PR department saying, hey, look, all the focus is on Facebook at the moment. Let's try and keep it that way. And I think that's that shows you that Facebook was, was number one in the mind of the, uh, the people who wanted to send to social media because it has all that influence over the older generation, which tends to be the voting generations. Uh, but they also went after YouTube pretty shortly afterward. There was a massive media-driven ad boycott um, at the end of 2017 going into 2018, and that was because the media, uh, YouTube was really replacing the mainstream media for the millennial generation. Uh, it's still the case, actually, that millennials tend to watch YouTube far more than they watch uh, cable news. Uh, you know, they haven't really gone after TikTok that much. I mean, I don't think TikTok has a huge influence on elections just because the demographic is that much younger. But, uh, certainly I would a- agree with your assessment that, uh, Twitter has always had a smaller slice of the overall market than either Facebook or, uh, or Google. And, and how, who drove those ad boycotts of
0: YouTube? Who, who are the seminal forces, you know, targeting YouTube?
2: That was actually the News Corp publications, uh, The Times in England, uh, The Wall Street Journal in the U.S., uh, The Sun in England as well. It was very much driven by News Corp. And I don't think it was really driven by political reasons so much as this sense uh, that News Corp has had for a long time, that the Internet... Is a threat to the revenue and the business model of the traditional media, which it is they they're right yeah. about that it's like' a, it's a, a non realization that's also why you know they were heavily involved in pushing that um media bailout bill we discussed on the pro on the show uh, last time I was on they see uh social media as a threat to their business model, but uh I think they took advantage of the panic around hate speech and disinformation to really go after youtube uh, not for political reasons, but they saw the opportunity in the uh, in the panic that had been whipped up by democrats around social media
0: and, and then what about the, the real you know gorilla in the room which is which is google i mean if you type any i mean any story even if it's apolitical into google you will not find the conservative site reporting on that story until you're on page five six or sometimes seven isn't that perhaps the most powerful information control platform
2: Potentially, yes. I know the uh, the psychologist Robert Epstein has done a lot of research on this topic about the influence of uh, rigged search results on um, on uh, voter decisions. And you know he's found huge results if you adjust search results even a little bit for uh, for candidates, uh, you can have these enormous results. And I think uh, you you certainly you we know, we saw a Breitbart news that uh, Google reduced the visibility on BrightBurton news stories in their search results by around 99% if you compare the numbers from uh, summer of 2020 to the summer of 2016, just like almost completely wiped us out. So no question that Google has undertaken massive, massive censorship against the alternative media. And that's a really tricky one to solve, you know, because, you know, with uh, the social media suppression, you could say, they're going after Americans' First Amendment rights, but I uh, would search results it's a bit trickier than that, I think.
0: I'm going to ask you what we can do about that momentarily. The last question for our interview with Alan Bakari. He is the senior tech correspondent for Breitbart.com, author of Hashtag Deleted. Follow him on Twitter at LibertarianBlue. This is America First 101 coming to you from the ReliefFactor.com studios. Relief Factor, pain relief that works, pain relief that's real, pain relief that is liberating half a million Americans right now, me included. But it's not just me. It's people like Alicia from California. This is Alicia's story. I'm a grocery store worker and was working doubles during the coronavirus shutdown at 52 years old, my two bad knees did not get a rest. I literally limped to and from bed. Two days into Relief Factor and the pain decreased substantially. So thankful for this amazing product. That should be you. That could be you. There's only one way to find out, but it's super easy. Order the three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95 at ReliefFactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me. Alicia, and 500,000 of your fellow Americans. 800-500-8384. Reliefactor.com. Reliefactor.com. What is the long-term solution, especially since we don't have an Elon Musk uh, in charge of Google or Facebook? What is your take? What is the the best solution, which is also realistic and feasible?
2: Well, it's sort of a chicken-and-the-egg problem, because what you ultimately want is for tech companies, including Google, to be treated like common carriers and therefore subject to much more regulation about what they can and can't take down. um, Like, like Like a phone company. Like a phone company, indeed, but of course... To do that you need the right people at the fcc and the ftc which obviously you don't have right now they're all biden the point he's who love censorship uh you know one of the silliest things i saw happen on the populist uh, side of things last last two years was trying to try and give more power to the fcc because of you know the monopoly power of big tech or something I don't really buy that argument because, you know, lots of little companies censoring is the same as one big company. Right. This this, this is a great
0: point. Let let me reiterate this, because I think I've heard you say this before. Breaking a big liberal company up will probably give you 100 liberal companies, right?
2: That's right. If the incentives stay the same, if the deep states still pressuring them, if they're still using the media, those little companies will will censor as well. And that's why you have to, like, go after the rules of censorship as well and specifically regulate the censorship. And you can do that if these companies are common carriers. But, you, uh, but it's only if you have the right people actually making them common carriers in the first place. And I know Texas is trying to do that uh, through their law. So we'll keep an eye on that one.
0: Does that make sense? Because the- these are borderless entities that function globally. Can this really be done on a state-by-state basis?
2: I think you ultimately need the federal government, which is why it's a chicken-and-the-egg problem. You need the right people in charge. You have to win an election and get the right person in the Oval Office but you have to get past tech censorship to do that. My ideal scenario is that the court case we see in uh, that Louisiana and Missouri have filed uh, gets people their First Amendment rights back on you know YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and that is enough, I think, that you can uh, sort of counterbalance the influence of say Google search because you'll you'll have the ability to just say you know to really challenge the narratives again, like people were doing in 2016 on all these big platforms that are very very influential. And then eventually you can get to a point where uh, regulation of Google searches become uh, become feasible.
0: And then what about I think there's some like European suggestions that there has to be a, a, a consumer rights act whereby if you're using my information, I get to control that information. What do you think of that? Is that pie in the sky?
2: Uh, that that is interesting. A lot of the European regulations, they just they don't really go anywhere. Like the GDPR regulations, for example, all that resulted in was you know you have to tick a box every time you enter a website. So I'm a bit skeptical of European solutions. Uh, it certainly is the case that uh, they don't believe Silicon Valley should be a free for all that tech companies can censor whatever they want if shadowy agencies tell them they actually uh, do want to have legislatures in control of speech regulations, which they are in Europe. And to, it, to, it's, that's not good. Like, it's not good that there are hate speech laws in Europe. But it's more transparent and democratic than, you know, having the FBI conduct backroom deals yeah. to a to people.
0: Get up to date on what's happening in big tech. Follow this man at Libertarian Blue on Twitter and his articles at Breitbart.com. The book is hashtag deleted. Alan bakari's big tech's battle to raise the Trump movement and steal the election. You've been listening to America First one-on-one, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Keep your head on a swivel. Watch your sex. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in. And stay frosty.
1: This is America First with Sebastian Gorka. If you want to drain the swamp, you cannot put the biggest alligator in charge of the exercise. I'm a Florida man and I know of what I speak. We offered Kevin McCarthy terms last evening that he rejected. We sought a vote in the first quarter of the 118th Congress on term limits. He refused. We wanted a budget from the Republican Study Committee that balances on the floor in the first quarter. He refused. We wanted the border plan that the Texas delegation put together on the floor. He refused.
0: He's just asking for votes. He's not even demanding those things happen. That's Matt Gates, who I think is the architect of uh, the chaos on Capitol Hill. And I have to say, I like it. He is up to the eighth vote, Kevin McCarthy. How many times... Is he going to fail? As my good friend Amanda Milius told me earlier today, and I uh, tweeted it out with full credit to Amanda. At least Kevin McCarthy can now claim that he's lost as many elections as the chairwoman of the RNC, Rona Romney McDaniel. I want to hear from you today. I want you to tell me. Whether you're disappointed or whether you're pleased, the number is 833 33 Gorka. Welcome. Greetings, dear friends. 833-334-6752. I, uh, Mr. G, let's go straight to the team. Mr. G, do you think most Americans would even notice if Congress didn't? actually function for the next six months no what's the big deal
1: what do they usually work about three weeks and three months in the summer nobody has anything to say about it then so we're two days
0: late but what if this went on for six months would anybody who actually has a real job know
1: well everything they do is usually bad anyway so it really matters
0: right all right where do you think where do you stand on this eric are you a fan of the uh, you're having issues with the 20 weren't you saying that it doesn't look like they have a candidate. Is that what you were saying offline?
2: I was thinking, of, of course, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert was fantastic in that interview with Hannity. But he did keep asking her, who do you want? Who is your alternative? Is it
3: Scalise? Is it Jordan? Who is it? And she wouldn't answer the question, which isn't great if from a pr-
2: perspective of strategy. But I do still think the longer this goes on, the better. Like Jeff said, nobody even notices. No one would notice. <laughs> and that's, that's what they fear the most is when Congress,
3: when the yes. American people realize how useless they are. Right, right. And
0: is it about getting another candidate? Or is it sending a message to the rhinos? And is it about getting concessions from the rhinos to stop them from doing bad things? Um, Alex, you're you're the newest member to the swamp. Uh, How do you react to the uh, events of just the last mm, 48 hours? I like the idea of sending a message. <laughs> Nicely. Enough said. Enough said. I like the idea of sending a message. Well put. All right, well, let's, let's hear uh, Lauren Bobert. She was on my buddy Dan Bongino's show about an hour ago. Grave a great, great interview. She actually said that Kevin McCarthy isn't even negotiating with the twenty. He's sending minions to individual ones. He he doesn't have the testicular fortitude to actually negotiate with the people who have the power to stop him. Uh, Sean Hannity, a, an ex-friend of mine, mm, he's come out of the closet. Not so much of a conservative. Here he is at last night with Lauren Bobert. Play cut.
3: So if you only have 30, 30 have. people going supporting you and we are going to get the right speaker. Shot. If you only have 30, to be clear, you will not withdraw. 30 is going to
2: be a beautiful number to But you're to telling
3: reach. Kevin McCarthy and the, and the 203 people that support him to withdraw because they don't have 218. That's what you're saying.
2: Look, it's obvious by tonight's motion to adjourn that Kevin McCarthy and
3: his supporters are already getting you, voter fatigue. And I, I, I asked you a simple it. question, Congresswoman. I, I, you know, I feel like I'm getting a, a liberal. I'm not going a, an to answer support Kevin liberal. McCarthy,
2: Sean.
0: Why are you defending the rhinos? I mean, there's a very simple question. Somebody posited it in an interview. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Gates. Is Kevin McCarthy the right man for the job? Is he the best man for the job? Should he have the job at all? And if he isn't, but they don't have 218 on the other side, well, force him into a corner until they get a vote on, oh, I don't know, term limits, or putting Freedom Caucus Patriots on as many committees as possible. They want to have at least four seats on the key committees. I think that's a plan. Even if you don't have a candidate, you're getting concessions that are pro-American, pro-the-voter. But of course, snakes, fake conservatives like Trey Gowdy. I just I watched this clip just a few moments ago. I'm trying to ask myself, how does Trey Gowdy even think this looks good? Because you're you're revealing yourself. You're unveiling yourself for the swamp creature that I know you are. But now everybody else knows it as well. Um, Jeff. Describe this clip with a phrase I can't use on radio, but it's uh, a rather good phrase. Judge for yourself. Cut for. You're never going to get some of these people uh, Sean. I mean, they live
1: to be in opposition to Republicans. But but people watching your show need to call and say, you know what? I didn't work my tail off in November to watch y'all look like a clown show on national television. So y'all get behind Kevin. You got your motion to vacate vacate as it relates to President Trump. They love him when they need a pardon. They love him when they need attention. But when he says Kevin's my person, all of a sudden they know better. I mean, they know better than the Republican conference. Kevin got 85 percent of the vote. In the primary. And yet, they know better.
0: Yeah, how about the idea that we didn't work our tails off in the midterms to have Kevin McCarthy a speaker? How about that idea, Mr. Benghazi failure? My gosh, the call board has lit up absolutely full. Let's start with the ladies. Let's go to Brenda in Dallas. Happy Thursday, Brenda.
3: Oh, hi. Hey. Uh Sebastian, uh, nice to talk to you. All right,
0: you got to turn off your radio, Brenda. Okay,
3: hold on. Hold on. Okay, first of all, I just want to say that I was somebody that was on the recent uh Stand with Israel tour and uh it was wonderful. I uh, you guys were wonderful.
0: What part did you like the best, Brenda? Uh
3: probably Jerusalem and uh the tomb where we took communion, and you guys, you and um, Dinesh. Dinesh just hit, hit it out of the ballpark.
0: That's too kind, Brenda. You are very, very kind. Uh, you can join us if you missed the tour 2024. We're going back. All right, Brenda, give us your take on what we're witnessing in the swamp in the last two days.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm all for it. You know, I've never been more excited about Republican politics than I am right now, because I just think that we have to dig our heels in, and we have to uh, get some power. And I think these 20 people are, um, that's what they're doing, is they're wielding leverage.
0: You know, I, I am so excited myself. I think this is fun. I think this is the revenge of the American people on the swamp. And I'm fine with it. Stay on the line. Let's give you a signed copy of uh, a Defeating Jihad since you were with me in Jerusalem. Let's squeeze in one more call. Let's go to Sandy in Arizona. Sandy, hi.
3: Hello. Hey. I am very happy to speak with you. All
0: so right. Well, you've only got a minute. So tell us what you think, Sandy.
3: It won't, it won't take a minute. Um, I agree with you. I am very, very grateful for what those 20 representatives are. I live in Arizona, and I am, we have three representatives standing up, and that is so awesome. I support them so much. And Representative Sparks. If ninety billion dollars is not enough for the Ukraine, she needs to vote and stand up for the people of Indiana who voted for her and stop that. No, I'm just present. Belonging. Yeah,
0: I, I am disappointed. I have to see I have to watch the video from yesterday. Of, she gave some explanation of why she voted present, which is a kind of a cop out for me. So Victoria Sparks is a friend of the show. We're a little bit disappointed. We should reach out to her. But thank you for your wonderful opening calls. We really do that in the opening segment. But it's a special day. It's a fun day. Politics is fun again. Remember that? When President Trump was in the White House, you're listening to America First. Make sure you never miss a second of the show. Subscribe. Go to Spotify. Plug in my name, Sebastian Gawker, America First. It's absolutely free. Write us a Five Star Review. Share the links with your friends and spread the word, because that's how... We're all going to take back America. Stay with us here on the Salem News Channel.